what up, Whisper Nation? But I tell myself something last year on draft day, it would definitely be, calm down, buddy, the fucking Cleveland Browns. <laughs> right here. What's up, Whisper Nation? It's July, finally. And it's Wednesday, July 1st. You're listening to episode 106 of the Fantasy Whispers with your host, Johnny Game Time Hicks, Big Travi, and me, Chelsea. And if you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at TF Whispers. You can also find us on YouTube and Instagram at The Fantasy Whispers, and you should definitely visit the website, thefantasywhispers.com. We've got articles, our latest episodes, and a ton of fresh swag online, so you should definitely go check it out. And listen, if you want to support our show, you know, like financially, you should sign up as a patron of The Fantasy Whispers, where you'll gain a ton more access to bonus content. So head on over to patreon.com and search The Fantasy Whispers today. And look, it's really easy. We've got the last couple of weeks a ton of folks have been signing up this week we want to give a special shout out to jacob lay who is our newest patreon subscriber yeah jacob well i mean Without- first of all he's been a huge supporter since day one we we appreciate jacob so much he's a big time probably our number one fan no yeah. offense to oh, the rest yeah. of whisper nation but jacob's been putting in the work he's been doing it he's the number one fan uh, he's probably got an automatic spot in the listener league this year. Oh um, yeah, he. There's no problem about it. A really it's, sizable donation he made. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Jacob Lay is uh, definitely our number one fan. We do appreciate each and every single wi- part of Whisper Nation, uh, but we do have a special place for uh, Jacob Lay. So much, much. I do want to give one more ring of. Yeah, hey, there's potential there. Uh, I do want to give one more shout out before we get into this show. I know we got a lot going on today, but it is July 1st, which means that it is not only my little brother's birthday, but it is also my little sister Paris's birthday. They were born on the same day, uh, two years apart. Um, non-coincidentally, non-coincidentally, uh, my parents' uh, honeymoon is in October uh so or wedding anniversary so you can connect the dots there uh but wow yeah i just actually uh, i can't what could you i mean i try not to do that yeah no so i i'll just stop right there but uh so yeah happy (laughs) happy birthday to uh my little brother the dots connecting would that be your your parents oh just stop it already This is a fantasy football well, show. Well, I don't think that's all the shout-outs we got, right, Chels? Subscribers and birthdays aren't the only shout-outs that we're here to share this morning. It is July 1st, the second half of 2020, and we are here to launch a very new and exciting chapter in the Fantasy Whispers. John, are you going to tell us what it's all about? Yeah, so uh, we just launched. If you follow us on Instagram at all, uh, we appreciate that. But on Instagram earlier this week, and if you're listening to the podcast, I mean, Travis kind of uh, dropped a little bit of a hint last week. But we officially have it up and running our uh, Whisper Nation hotline that you can call in. We will have prompts every single week with special questions. So if you want to call in and answer those, it might make it on the show. Or let's just say you want to call in to just tell what tell us something, or or uh, you know brag to your league mates, or or something like that. Call us and call us at one eight three three four FF Talk. That's one eight three three four FF Talk. Or if you just want the the actual digits. Because that's what all the kids are all about these days. It's just the digits. Give me the digits right away. That is one eight three three 
833-4233-8255. That is 1-833-433-8255. And and we have prompts up already, Travis. So this is exciting. Yeah, this this week's prompt was, if you could go back in time to last year's fantasy football draft, 2019 fantasy football draft, you could tell your past self one thing on draft day, what would it be? And we got some pretty funny reactions, Johnny. We got some good ones. We had a couple fellow league mates in there, a couple Whisper Nation people calling in. Uh, but we we narrowed it down to three that we really liked, that we really, you know, made us chuckle a little bit. And uh, they, so we should. They they did a great job. But one thing I do want to just say right now is, like, you sent me a bunch of them. A bunch. Not one of them was mine, dude. And I called in, like, three times. And yeah, you you're, it's kind of like our giveaway, dude. Like Unreal. You're, you're not eligible to. Uh, okay. You already get enough contract or mic time. Oh, okay. Your contract doesn't stipulate you get any more mic time. So oh, okay. I really got to really cut you off at a certain point. Okay. All right. Well, without further ado, we are going to reveal our very first call in. And uh, so you guys are going to hear it right here, here. Let us know what you think. Stay away from Antonio Brown. No matter how good it looks, no matter how good of draft position is, no matter how far he slips in ADP, stay away from Antonio Brown. That's- yeah, I I will say that was a common theme in the yeah. voicemails was Antonio Brown avoidance. So if you could go back into 2019, I think that was uh, on a lot of people's minds was, you know, or, you know, would be to get them away from Antonio Brown. Mm hmm. What else we got, Johnny? All right, that was uh, the first one. The second one we have here. What up, Whisper Nation? If I had to tell myself something last year on draft day, it would definitely be, calm down, buddy, the fucking Cleveland Browns. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, this is... Hey, Derek. Oh, Derek is Last year, and, you know, football was normal, no coronavirus. And I, I mean, the end all be all results were me, you know, becoming a two-time champion of Steelers today. I yeah. guess when I'm looking back on that, you know, brilliant run that I put together, the one mistake that I did make was choosing Mr. CTE himself, Antonio Brown, at 13, yeah. and Juju Smith went 14. That'd be the only thing I changed. Everything else is perfection. Pretty good there. Uh, another AB. And then the last one we'll play here, uh, Travis, before we jump into our show. Do not draft. At all. <laughs> <laughs> he just waits and waits. and no, like, Honestly, suspense, I thought he cut suspense. out. Yeah. I thought really, he like dropped off. That sounds were... like somebody who may have gotten last. Like that's his advice to himself oh. to just not even draft it all. Just maybe airmail the season. Um, that's what it sounds like to that, me. Yeah, that does make a little bit of sense there uh, for sure. If that, like if like that's we the said, case. guys, guys and girls of Whisper Nation, if you want to dial in, go ahead and do that. It's one eight three three four ff talk You could be played on the show. We will have a new prompt up this week. Uh, I will have that. Do we have that? Do we have that already? The idea. I have. I don't. Okay. So 
Uh, but we will get it up there and call in either way. Even if you've just got something you want to say about last year or this year or going into anything, even if you just want to talk again, uh, the space is yours. Yes. Again, that number is one eight three three four ff talk or one eight three three four three three eight two five five. Give us a call. If this is your first time listening or viewing us, please go ahead and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It would help us grow the platform, continue to put out daily uh, videos for you. If you're listening to us on the audio platforms, especially on Apple, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. That would also help us rank uh, and suggest the show to a friend. That that can't hurt, especially if they're not in your league and they're not direct competition to you. Yeah. Exactly. Um, as always, we'd like to start this show off with some topics uh, that we saw around the interwebs. And the first one we had to we had to dive into this one. Right. Uh, Cam Newton gets signed to the Patriots on a one year incentive based deal. Uh, it is for the minimum, but it's got a lot of incentives um, laden in there. So to so make up to see. what, seven, eight million dollars, I believe. Yeah, is what I believe it said. so, which is still small for a quarterback. But this one year deal. He could eventually parlay into a massive deal next year with or without the Patriots if he were able to stay healthy and do what he has done over his career. So, Johnny, what is your outlook for Cam Newton on the Patriots? How does that kind of interplay with Cam Newton himself and some of the other players? Yeah, um, I just, again, I'm just going to go off on a, on a little bitter Barry rant here. Uh, I just don't understand how the New England Patriots are so lucky in getting a quarterback uh, to come in, pretty much fill in the gap. Like, this is the Cardinals. We went through so much turmoil at the quarterback position. We couldn't we couldn't buy a quarterback if Cam Newton was on the on the street at that time. We wouldn't have been able to get him. Uh, so this is just frustrating that they could go to from Tom Brady, you know, or from, you know, Bledsoe to Brady to you know cam newton now as a as a bridge and all of a sudden you know the initial thought is that hey this is great this is such great news uh it uplifts julian edelman um uplift to nikhil harry for all the people that were worried about nikhil harry and dynasty now you guys have legit like a, a legit opportunity you could see nikhil harry starting to rise already in mock drafts he's worth the late round flyer to me now um, so that's that's really interesting because we've seen Cam Newton, what he can do to uh, the weapons around him. DJ Moore, he had a very productive rookie season. So uh, that's very, very interesting. I do think it is a slight downgrade to Sony Michelle. Um, but I want to talk about Cam Newton specifically, Travis. Um, I understand, you know, like the whole topic is just the New England Patriots. And I'm not, you know... I wouldn't say that with Cam Newton come there, all of a sudden all those guys are, are significant, significant increases or significant, significant decreases. But I want to talk about Cam Newton because what does this mean for the the quarterback position, right? Well, the first thing I want to point out is that you've got Ron Rivera. Can we get this guy on the show, Chelsea? Is there any way we could get Ron Rivera on the show? Riverboat Ron. The reason why I'm questioning, have you? Yeah, heard? I'm working on it. Thank you. I appreciate it because the reason why is you you see this guy. I mean, he's just handing out massive compliments left and right. Maybe we could get one of those. Maybe he'll compare us to like Matthew Barry's show or something, and, or or maybe like uh, NFL Networks. You know get up or something i don't i don't know because he is just pumping up every single one of his former players or or just or just players in the league he comes out here 
and tells everyone don't don't sleep on Cam Newton with uh, the New England Patriots. So that was really really interesting. But just talking from Cam Newton's standpoint, Travis, he's only played 16 games once out of the last four years. In 2016 and 2018, he played 14 games apiece. Um, but he has finished as a top quarterback uh, multiple multiple years out of you know. Out of the last five years, he's been a a top quarterback if he remains healthy. So, to me, there there is an outlook and where you could say, oh, we have another quarterback, a rushing quarterback uh, that comes into the question. You might want to wait a little bit longer on quarterback. But then I start looking at the at the real numbers breakdown for Cam Newton. And I'm not I'm not sure I'm I'm really really intrigued by where he's at. I think he's just an okay piece. I was much more excited about him in the beginning, Travis, but I mean 19.9 fancy points a game in 2018, that was good for 8th. Um we've seen, you know, the scrambling quarterback so he'll rise up the draft boards, but you know, he's only put up one season since 2003 of over fan, of over 300 fantasy points. Now, we just talked about it last week, how Ben Roethlisberger was going over 300 fantasy points very consistently, and how that was just equated to QB12 last year. So, unfortunately, I don't think that uh, Cam Newton is going to be like a quarterback like we'd hope. I think he's going to be, you know, quarterback 11-12. I think he'll be fine uh, for your quarterback this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like what you're saying there, but I also think that he is locked in for a top 10 spot if he's healthy. Obviously, that's a big if. We don't know what's going on with the shoulder and the arm and, and what's what's happening there. But the bottom line is, over the last five years, nobody has had more goal-to-goal rushes than the New England Patriots. Nobody in the NFL ever has had more rushing touchdowns at the quarterback position than Cam Newton. This guy is a beast. Um, he's a big-bodied guy that can go on the goal line. Will they avoid uh maybe the play style he used to be because he's he's also the guy who's been hit the most at the quarterback position so will they avoid his play style uh will they try to cater towards a safer cam uh that carolina was trying to do at the end of of his stint there we will see um i do believe they they run the ball a lot so they will try to take the pressure off of him uh in that way but i like what you said also about in keel harry what we love about harry was that he was a back shoulder stud he could get those 50 50 balls well tom brady didn't necessarily cater to that kind of style you know he was more of an accurate quarterback and obviously harry was hurt last year cam newton is a guy that will give you those 50 50 balls and mm -hmm. and keel harry is an interesting uh flyer like you mentioned another thing i want to talk about with cam newton though just a, a small point on the rushing no team he's had four four somewhat healthy years uh 2018 through 2015 going mm -hmm. back and in those times he's averaged 24 percent of his team's mar rushing market share uh so he rarely dips below 20 and has pushed for 30 percent at times so um, I think that's an interesting take here. And I do agree with you on Sony Michelle. I would be hard pressed to think that Sony Michelle could break out if Cam Newton's healthy just because of the touchdown downside, so to speak, uh, with Cam Newton being there. 
<clears throat> All right. So moving on, we did talk a little bit about this in the Cam Newton. You know, where would you draft Cam Newton? Uh, where would you draft your quarterback is what we're going to get on here. There was an interesting article on Fan Sided uh, written by Dan Grievous. And it's where do you fall uh, early, middle or late round QB? Where are you drafting your QB at, Johnny? We've talked uh, for years on this podcast about the advantage of drafting your QB late. But I thought this article was interesting because it painted a picture for every single scenario. And it actually, what you ended up seeing was maybe it's not, maybe there's no surefire way to get your guy, uh, but there are better chances for you to hit on that league winning QB uh, based on where you go. So Johnny, what was your biggest takeaway, I guess, in this? And did it change your outlook on drafting QB early, middle or late? So I, I, the the entire time uh, we like you said we have been on the 100% go quarterback late every single year and um, we've been pretty successful at at picking out the guys that um, would be the breakout quarterbacks. The main common thing with those quarterbacks is that rushing mobility, and that kind of gave a little bit of a leg up. Well. After years and years, you know, the fantasy community as a whole has, has caught up to that. And so what you're seeing is a lot of these guys are now adjusting in where their ADP is going based on whether they have that rushing upside, right? So um, when you start looking at where these guys go, and I, by early, I would talk about Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Maria. All those guys I would consider going early because they're going, their ADP, it was within the first four to five rounds. Uh, the second and middle guys, Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Carson Wentz, and Aaron Rodgers are guys that are going between rounds, you know, six and 10. And for the first time in a long time, I was leaning more towards like, oh, maybe this is the year that you really do need to go quarterback early uh, because of the rushing upside. Those guys are limited. And then you really start looking at that middle tier and and like, where do things break off? And we got into this discussion on Monday's mock draft marathon, uh, which I thought was really great. But it seems like to me and you, and we're just being honest here, there does seem to be a little bit of a tier break from Josh Allen to Matt Ryan. And that is because of the rushing upside, right? Um, and so for me, when I'm when I'm thinking about this, I'm like, where trying to find the right spot uh, of where I want to go. But knowing in my heart of hearts, I'm always that late round guy. And so I'm trying to figure out who that guy is exactly. I have some guys that we like. We've talked about them on the show. Matthew Stafford, Baker Mayfield. Daniel Jones is actually becoming a little bit more of a intrigue position for me. Um, so ultimately I'm still going to go and lean late round, uh, quarterback just because I, I, that's just who I am. I like to build up my team, you know, my running backs, my wide receivers and, and tight ends and build that depth before I get the quarterback. But to be honest with you, this is a first year, any other year, I would have been really upset with whisper nation. If they had said, Hey, we're going to, we took a quarterback early. Um, I would be like, why did you do that? It's not strategically correct to do that um but this year like honestly i i can i can make the case it really does depend on which situation you want to go with i think there's a lot of ways that you could attack this and here's the last thing i want to do before i kick it over to you travis and i'll i'll, I'll kick it off with this question because a lot of people will still sit here and they're probably listening to me and saying all right i'm gonna unsubscribe to these guys because they're bad advice so at least johnny gives bad <laughs> advice because uh, he's saying go ahead and draft a quarterback early 
Because everyone wants to talk about how, you know, do not take a quarterback early. Doesn't make sense. You're not going to, you know, the value that you get, you know, when you do quarterback and then and equating to the value that you get in the, you know, 10th round when other people are taking their, their wide receiver and you're taking your quarterback. They say, don't, so don't do it. But let me ask you this, Travis. You had Lamar Jackson last year on your team. I'm sure you got hit up uh, on your championship. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure you got hit up weekly, daily for trades on Lamar Jackson. Why don't you just give a little bit info as to some of the trade offers you got or or because most people wouldn't just trade Lamar Jackson for anybody. Well, I don't give up my sources, Johnny. I'm not going to talk about what I was offered or anything like that. Uh, you know, a gentleman never kisses and tells. But I will say this. I did get a lot of offers and then I stopped getting offers because people realized like you weren't going to trade away a guy that could win you your league um, that was on such a tear. And that's exactly what Lamar Jackson was. It didn't seem like any week that guy wasn't capable of putting up, you know, in especially in a six point touchdown league, 30 to 50 points at any time. And so I think that was the, the case you had. And that's what everybody wants. They want the early round guy to be the league winner. But what this article did point out, you know, Ben Grivis at, over at Fansided pointed out that early round QBs do not hit usually on that league winning ceiling. Now, I will say I'm <laughs> I do this every year. I preach and I preach late round QB, but then I look at a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who is married to the perfect system, has the perfect head coach, has the perfect blend of a, a defense that's not that great with weapons like Tyreek Hill, and now they've added CEH, I just see a, a high-potent offense. Yeah, like I just see a high-potent offense that's very well-suited as long as Mahomes is on the field for him to be the QB1 each and every week. And so that's where it gets tempting. But I will say, like Ben said in this article, that second-round ADP for these guys seems to be a little bit too high still. And, that you know, Johnny, your point about Lamar Jackson last year, I got Lamar Jackson in the 13th. I didn't have to start taking my QB until the 13th round last year, which means I could have got all those values that I got ahead of him with that. The, the data is suggesting, even though that the mid-round QB has only have a 22% yeah. to 39% chance of finishing in the top 10, which means you either go for that big one, I think, or he also made the point, you know, if Deshaun Watson falls to the sixth or seventh mm -hmm. and then you're sitting there and you believe he's going to be the QB one, you can kind of throw this strategy out the window. So it really is about value. It is about ADP with your league. How many times have you mocked for your league week in and week out? And then the ADP goes out the window in your mm -hmm. draft because guys are drafting based on heart. And, and so you need to be like water. We say it all the time. Bruce Lee says it. Be like water maneuver your draft accordingly and have some guys like Johnny talked about as your late round targets. You know, he talked about Stafford. We've talked about the fact that he was on pace for QB four. We talk about Daniel Jones as Johnny just brought up and was brought up in this article. Daniel Jones is a lot more of a rusher than people gave him credit for. Yeah. And now he's going to have that team maybe fully healthy for the first time in his career, in his short career. So we know he can sling it. We know that that offense should be geared towards it. And the defense isn't one that makes you think that they're going to be in a lot of games, which means they'll be coming back from behind trying to sling the football. And, and I think that, well, that's a, that's the thing that I think is really, really important, too, is that we all are in an, a day and age where we, we all are, are, quote unquote, experts. Right. And so when we go into these leagues, we all want to think our leagues are the best leagues um, out there. 
And so what that means the, is the vast majority of people have these same they, they they have these same strategies that that and they're listening to the same strategies that you're listening to. So what ends up happening is everyone has this under this notion of hey, I can wait on these late round quarterbacks, I'm fine. And then what's what ends up happening is you get these tremendous values. Uh for example, you know, last year in in our league of record, we have a, a very, very competitive league. But everybody understood, hey, let's just if I'm not gonna get one of these top uh, tight ends I'm going to stack positions and get my tight end at the end right and yeah. so as a result of that nobody took tight ends and I ended up getting George Kittle in the fifth which was in I never planned on taking George Kittle because he was going to go so early but he just happened to fall to me at a position yeah it's about taking like, that best player available yeah. if they slip to you you've got to do it I think the one thing I'll take away from this article and last thing I'll leave whisper nation here is if you really believe within your heart that you got to take that early round QB, that's fine. Punt the middle round QBs unless one of those early guys slips to you mm -hmm. in those middle rounds and then just go late QB if you can if you can help if you yeah. can help it. And and target your guys, listen to us, take your research in and decide on guys that can hit that ceiling from the late rounds because I'm telling you it can pay off in big ways, i.e. Lamar Jackson last year. Or even Pat Mahomes the year before. Pat Mahomes went undrafted in a lot of leagues. Yep. So just we have to remember that. Yes, it's shiny. It Matt looks Ryan good now, the but... year before that. That yep. was his best year, and he was on the waiver wire. Or Austin Sear grabs him in the 14th as his second quarterback. All right, Johnny, Chelsea, every year there's pieces of content that come out before the regular season that get you so pumped. Um, it gets Matthew people Barry, going. Matthew Barry is responsible for two pieces of content that I absolutely adore before the regular season. One is the 100 Facts article, which we're going to talk a little bit about here. And then two is his Draft Day Manifesto, which is a fantastic piece of content. Obviously, Matt Barry has a history of writing uh, for shows uh, like Mary, uh, like uh, Married with Children. Yeah, Married with Children. Uh, he he also wrote for you know Crocodile Dundee movies, so he's got that. He's very entertaining writer. If you really like, if you enjoy reading fantasy uh, life, uh, uh, yeah. book is really yeah, good. that was a great book. So, anyways, he's got his hundred facts, um, and we thought it would be fun to talk about Matthew Barry's hundred facts, uh, bring a couple of takeaways that we had, and discuss them here. So, Johnny, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what was what was the biggest one, or maybe the first one that popped out to you? So the first major thing that I wrote down that I absolutely love um, is he he says you can make stats say anything, right? And he and that was a big summary of uh, he he was talking about a running back and he gave you know two sets of stats. He just said running back A and running back B, and then he said which one would you choose? And um, and then he reveals at the end of it that it's the same running back. And so, um, you know, you it literally goes to say that, like, you can make stats say anything that you want to uh, if it fits your narrative. And 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 you'll see this and I'm and I've been guilty of it as well. Like there are stats that I'll pick out based on upon my argument and whether or not um, I like them. Or, or, you know, I like them for that season. And that's and that's mm. what he said. And that would and that's a common thing is like the vast majority of people and listeners and, and we all know we all know a lot of this stuff. We all put a lot of hours, a lot of uh, dedication and research into it. Some people have the ability to have more resources than other people. Um, 
ultimately there's a, a, a ton of things that you could look at and some of it is relevant some of it isn't so it it comes upon you as the researcher as the fantasy football player to find people that you vibe with that you gel with that you have um you know kind of the same way of thinking and those are the people that you want to listen to and and um and follow and things like that um so whisper nation if you have found us we appreciate you guys you guys must enjoy our content um i'm not saying that we are always right uh we have our opinions we're very strong opinionated at that but i just it just reminded me again as to you know why we do things and and you know that everything isn't as black and white as we think they are our opinions uh there are reasons why we like people and that's what it is yeah, I loved what he talked about there about questioning the people that you look, you know, you get the people that align with you, but then you also question their takes and you look for other contradictory information. Look, this is how we sharpen the fantasy football iron in our mind uh, by adjusting it. And Risper Nation, when you ask us in the comments or you call us out and you say, hey, we actually think this about this guy, it helps us. We start diving more into that guy for you guys. Um, so that's always a good idea when doing this research and getting ready for the regular season. One of my favorite things he talked about, it was the first one. The first one was a banger. Number one fact he put out there, he said in 2019, nine of the top 10 fantasy quarterbacks had at least 200 rushing yards. We just talked about Cam Newton, his rushing market share, what that could mean. This is why he ends up, in my opinion, if he's starting, being drafted in the top 10 because of the fact that he can get to a rushing floor when you talk about nine of the top 10 fantasy quarterbacks had 200 rushing yards or more. Uh, you know, last season. So that one was a lot of fun for me. Uh, did you have any other takeaways, Johnny? Did yeah. you have another one that you I, really like? I, I love this art. This is like you said, this is one of my favorite articles that I look forward to every year in the fantasy community. And so, yeah, I had a lot to take. Uh, one, I was saying, I was interested to see if you brought it up, but you didn't. I don't think you're going to. He, he touched on Miles Sanders and he talked about the touches. Oh, uh, no. Um, so it was, it was really interesting. It was cool. Um, from me, you know, seeing that kind of research backed up by Matthew Barry, um, but he, he talked about, you know, the touches and and him kind of worrying about how does Miles Sanders get to, you know, between 250 and 300 touches as a bell cow running back. There was concerns there. So that was interesting. Uh, the Robert Woods confirmation was another thing. We've talked about him a lot. Uh, it seems like he is going to be a very big riser come you know august september i could definitely see him being a real big mover and, and moving his way up to maybe like the third or early fourth round uh because of how much people are talking to him but yeah it's interesting to talk about this article or what matthew barry puts out and some probably guys that you were maybe uh louder on than most and now he's going to be loud on it which means it shapes the adp the adp oh, yeah. will be shaped by matt barry and others yeah. but matt barry's article is going to have a big part in and as he continues to pump or or, or downgrade guys so will the community that yeah so that's a perfect i wanted set. to jump in quick oh yeah yeah oh so yeah i just wanted to add on that point i i have read matthew's matthew barry's 100 facts article the last few years and i love so much the way he writes it because it's not just one fact after after another there's so much that you can take from reading between the lines of how he stacks this information up itself and i know that i have found really really great especially late round draft picks 
because of some of the things that he leaves uh, to question in, in between the lines of this article. Yeah, so yeah. I would, um, you know, there's really no way to just flip to, uh, you know, fact number 62 and just take that as a real piece of information. You have to sort of read the article in full to yeah. take in the 100 facts. And there's so much more than 100 pieces of information oh, yeah, on it's, this it's, article. Like, so, like Chelsea's, you know, kudos for the brilliance yeah. of Matthew Berry's um, crafting this piece of information because it is a vessel to deliver some real insight for sure. Yeah, I just love the way he tells stories like Chelsea was saying there, right? He'll tell a story with five facts for one guy. He's painting a picture, so to speak. And I thought it was really funny in this article how he did it for Kareem Hunt. And he started listing the facts for Kareem Hunt. And one of the facts was just, what are we doing here, guys, based yeah. on the fact that Kareem Hunt was being drafted so late in drafts yeah. after the facts that he pointed out. Right. So just and a lot of fun to read, for so sure. The one that I really thought was really interesting Um I agree. I liked a lot of his facts. I agreed with a, with a vast majority of them. But he said this one. Since since the start of 2018, this running back is the second best or the sixth best running back in yards per care or yards per reception after first contact. Um from weeks 1 to 5, uh he was a top 5 running back and then in week 5, this team got their their starting running back back. And from five on, he was still the RB5. This player was still the RB5 in fantasy. You're thinking, oh, well, who is this guy? I need to get this guy on my team, right? Well, since entering the league, it gets even better, even better. This running back, since entering the league, he is third among running backs in yards per uh, yards per ta- uh, but yard. YPT, which I should know, uh, yards per touch. Sorry, I'm like, what? Am, what does my T stand for? Uh, and yards. <laughs> sorry, he is he is uh, third among running backs in yards per touch. Do you have any idea of who this running back is? I don't. It would be the one, the only Austin Eckler uh, is the running back he is talking about here. Um, and so Austin Eckler is being the RB 11 off the board, RB 12. And I don't buy that. Like, I understand the stats that you pointed out. Hey, look, it's like, it's, it's real nice that Austin Eckler is, is so efficient and, and things like that. But then you're telling me, you're pointing me into a direction of saying how, you know, um, how great a running back is per touch and how efficient and then you're going to tell me that those touches are now going to get a lot smaller um, because you're going from Philip Rivers, who we know is known as the Dink and Dunk King, to all of a sudden Tyrod Taylor, who does it about half as much. And then you're trying to tell me that it's still okay to draft him as a top well, 11. Do you, I don't buy do it. Do you think that Eckler's target, his touches may go down a bit, but don't you think he could compensate for actual rushing total? So um, uh, like that's carries could go up. So it, we're going that we will be interesting in the next uh, segment that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about carries aren't created equal. And so that is where the entire thing will come full circle. And you'll understand my argument. Uh, but I, I just don't think that those touches are created equal. 
Um, I think that the dump offs that he was getting from Philip Rivers were a lot more significant. Sure, sure. Yeah, we know we and, know we know targets are more valuable, but I'm right. saying that there's an opportunity to compensate some of that loss by getting running more rushing. Game. Right. Yeah. But I don't think yeah. I don't think that Eckler is that type of running back. We've never seen him get over 180 carries in a in a season. And he last year but in, in his entire career, he's played with Melvin Gordon, correct? He has, but uh, I and I understand, but he had he was a starting running back and on pace to do it last year, correct? Uh, through one through five, right? Would his is his body going to hold up? Now, a lot of people want to say we well, can't predict injury, which I never like to do, but I like to predict or I like to look at Except his for when it fits your argument. Well, when uh, no, well, yeah, <laughs> but no, I'm I want to say more so look at his body style, right? His body style is a lot like Giovanni Bernard, and this was why the big issue why I had uh, Giovanni Bernard a few years ago when people were taking him the first, and I said these running backs aren't built to be, you know, two hundred and fifty touch guys. They're going to get injured with that with that workload and that body style. So I just don't see it for where you're drafting. Uh, and I know that this whole segment now has turned into an Austin Eckler segment, which was not intended, but. Um, yeah, it's just for me, I'm, I'm, I don't buy the Austin Eckler hype and, and that was what, where I was. Yeah. And like that, that's the great point. The intro for Matt Barry, it suggests, you know, question it, uh, even question him. I think that's a good thing. Maybe he's painting the picture for Eckler and Johnny's not buying it, but that would cause Johnny to do a little more research on Eckler. Like he, he talked about there. I liked how he painted the picture for Tom Brady in this article. And I liked how he talked yeah, a little bit about. David Johnson being slept on completely in this offense. I've I've heard Roto World also um, reiterate that sentiment. So take a look at Matt Barry's 100 Facts. You guys, this is a great piece of content, and we love breaking it down for you here. Yep. Now, as Johnny alluded to, we are going to talk about another article coming from Roto World. It's uh, written by Hayden Winks of Roto World, and it's called Not All Carries Are Created Equal. I thought this was a fascinating article. It really broke down, you know, your goal line carries. Actually, really, the big thing is everybody wants to talk about red zone carries, right? And how valuable they are, you know. Um, but really, it's more about not just the red zone carries, right? They're worth 0.5 more PPR, PPR points than any other carry outside of the red zone, right? Um, but you really want to dive into uh, carries with inside the five and inside the 10, right? Because uh, a carry on the goal line is actually worth 3.36 PPR points more. So the idea here is like, yes, look at red zone carries, but then look at breakdown even further and say, how many carries inside the 10? How many carries inside the five? And we talked about Cam Newton and Sony Michelle and this goal to goal carries, you know, the Patriots get down to the goal line and run it all the time. That's what they do, whether it's with, you know, Tom Brady in the past or bringing in Brandon Bolden when they have no reason to. They end up doing things like that. Um, so be be mindful of that. He also broke down shotgun versus under center mm -hmm. and the difference between how carries in the shotgun actually outperform carries in the same uh, in under center. And you'd be thinking, OK, well, why? Well, the defense ends up being put. Uh, in a position where they put fewer defenders in the box because they assume the team is going to throw the football and they're ready for that. So they're putting more coverage guys in the game. Well, when you run out of shotgun, you're going to get more gain. So look at these spread offenses. I think of Arizona uh, that runs a lot out of the shotgun and, and how that can be very beneficial to your running back. So start to look at those uh, schemes. 
he bro- breaks down outside versus inside runs and how he his disdain for inside runs. He basically says, quit running up the middle. I think about Jason Garrett and Ezekiel Elliott and how he always just wanted to ram it up the middle with him. Or what about Instead David getting- Johnson two years David ago? When, oh, my gosh. That was the worst. Yeah. Yeah, David Johnson uh, finished RB nine that year, but still yeah. was his his owners were like he could have been top five if you'd run him out of shotgun, run him out to the outside. Yeah. Um, I think the major takeaway I, put, I took from this, Johnny, before I pass it over to you, is that you got to look in depth at the schemes, you got to look in depth at the coaches, and you got to look in depth at the running backs and how they all marry together between the schemes, the styles, and the success rate of the running back in these different shotgun versus up the middle. Uh, formats for running so for me that was my big takeaway and i thought it was a very interesting article that everyone should uh, take a look at uh, i i absolutely love the article just because it i always am very very intrigued by these little minute things that always have a, a huge impact in our in our minds or at least when we talk about it we think it's a big impact but it's really nice to actually sit down and break down the numbers and and see how much of an impact uh, these certain carries have um, I thought it was really interesting on the fourth and longs um, you have uh, the, what is called what they call give up carries which I totally I like the name I thought it was great uh, so give up carries are basically like third and 18s or third and 15s uh, where teams are just trying to get a little bit better field position so they're not passing they're just handing it off but it's he, he said this is why some third down running back special specialty backs could have such a high yards per carry and so the one that he he named was Duke Johnson uh now I'm a big fan of Duke Johnson um because of the things that I've seen and the fact that we've never seen him as a true uh, workhorse running back, and I I think he might have the ability to be a, a really good running back uh, if given the workload. But you know, maybe the coaching staff knows something that we don't know, and and this might be why um, is the yards per carry aren't true. Or maybe the coaching staff is Bill O'Brien, who continues yeah. to do mind-boggling things. Yeah, who like not give Duke Johnson the ball or trade away DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, uh, so like. That's definitely part of it. Um, I did like that piece, too, because it actually gets you to think, Okay, if I have a third down running back on a team that's probably going to be coming back in a lot of games or Or gets a lot of false starts or offensive line issues, which would equate to false starts as well. You could be seeing a situation where they get in down and distance that's not favorable, meaning they've got some time to get some garbage time runs, as you could say there. And I I just what was a couple one last thing that I thought was really, really interesting Um so you were talking about the shotgun thing. I really stopped. Like I, I stopped and I'm like, how many teams run the vast majority of their snaps not out of shotgun? Because it's like you look at it nowadays, like a lot of teams are running snaps out of shotgun. And um, so one that would come to mind would be the Minnesota Vikings, which no surprise there. They did. And guess who? We talked about uh, their head coach now going over to Cleveland. So you can expect Cleveland Browns to run a lot more under shotgun or under uh, center, which is a little bit concerning for Nick Chubb, right? Uh, but the last thing I do want to point out is that you talked about clusters and how clusters, we have this opinion because teams are based in clusters. So what that means is, you know, like you'll see like three formation bunch of wide receivers to one side and then one wide receiver to the other side. And what it found was most often, oftentimes and not like that was it didn't 
produce any more fantasy value for wide receivers, for quarterbacks, or anything like that. The reason I bring that up is the major the major point that people love to bring up when talking about the Carolina Panthers and how good they'll be this year and how good CMC will be this year is because they talk about how the offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, loves using clusters and how he can use clusters in order to get people in space. And so I just want to let Whisper Nation know, don't completely buy into that 100%. I do think Carolina will be a good team, but uh, I don't want you to buy into all of that hype and, and blow it out of proportion. Yeah, interesting article there. We also found one more article we want to talk about before we dive into the, the ADP of some running backs here. These were all uh, super nerdy articles, so we, we yeah, apologize to Whisper Nation <laughs> well, if you're a little bit. I love listen, them. Listen, uh, if it's too nerdy for you, you can move along, but I think this is a nice uh, way to break down some of these topics that people aren't looking at. You can get that edge within your fantasy football league. And one of those things, the last thing we'll talk about here was an article that pro football focus did on wide receivers versus uh, particular um, coverages. And this was written um, uh, on pro football focus. So you can catch it there. And I thought, you know, look, this one was maybe the nerdiest of the articles oh, that yeah. we got into because it really broke down each and every defensive scheme there can be. But I think what they found, you know, in reading this, at least what they found is, they kind of out nerded themselves because they started talking about all these different coverages. And then um, they really said, look, if the bottom line is if teams are good at man coverage, then that's going to be a detriment to wide receivers. Blitzing is not as effective as you would seem to think on wide receivers. And I think that actually comes from the topic we were talking about last week where plays break down, the QB is able to get out of the pocket and, and kill you on the deep pass. Plus quarterbacks are getting a lot better the good quarterbacks are getting a lot better versus the blitz. They're reading defenses at a, a much better rate. And I just, I, you know, my biggest takeaway here, Johnny, uh, I didn't get too deep into the weeds on this one, but study the cornerback strength and weaknesses in your matchup. And I think that's important. We talk about cornerback matchups, but then go a little bit further on that. We can say, look, this cornerback is good in man coverage. Well, if he's good in man coverage and he's going to shadow your guy, you should be worried because that, you know, the data is suggesting that cornerbacks do have that advantage when they have something good. I mean, I think of Stephon Gilmore, who has blanked people consistently over the last few years and won defensive player of the year. You know, you think about these guys who shadow players, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, some of these other good cornerbacks that shadow players in man coverage. Uh, Johnny, what were what were some of the things you liked the most out of this one? Yeah, I, I mean, the the man coverage was really, really interesting. So the zone coverage um, was, was ultimately decided to be best, better than um, – sorry, and this is where the cluster information came in, not uh, not on that last one. But um, the the zone coverage, it makes sense that they would – you know, wide receivers would score more fantasy points on zone coverage. My question for this, and I wish they would have broken it down in the article, but they, they didn't, would be on, on quarters, right? Like, um, so what – breaking that down into quarter um, points per quarter because of a zone. When teams are in zone coverage towards the end of the game, of course they're going to give up more fantasy points in general because, like, the situation. All the right? underneath stuff. Yeah, yeah, because they're like, okay, we're just playing prevent because we want to run out the time. We're up by two touchdowns. 
um, we don't need to play man anymore. So that would be something that would be interesting uh, for me. Uh, but I will say that I, I did like the the article from a standpoint in that it broke down all the coverages, uh, describe what they do in those coverages and what you might want to look for from the opposing side, uh, from the mm. offensive side. Yeah, and I just think it once again, it's about, you know, look, we're always looking for a way to leg up. Maybe you've been doing fantasy football for three, five years. You want to find a different way to kind of predict what's happening. Obviously, you're never going to predict fully what happens, but there are opportunities for you to get an edge on the competition. And without further ado, we're going to jump into our July top 24 running backs by ADP. We're not going to dive into all of these. That would be the longest show in the history. We are going to dive into a few guys we wanted to talk about based on where they're going in ADP, based on the fact we haven't really dived, dove into them this offseason quite yet, and maybe we like or dislike where they're going. Uh, so without further ado, Chelsea, why don't you take us through the top 24, and uh, we'll, we'll pick out these guys. Sounds great. So coming in in the first overall ADP spot, we've got Christian McCaffrey, followed by Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, and Derrick Henry, which I know you guys want to talk about. Yeah, so I I popped Derrick Henry in here on Johnny because we had briefly talked about his contract situation and how of guys with contracts, we actually like him the most, which would mean, uh, or at least most to kind of improve upon or stay the same this year. Um, which would mean he's going behind two guys, as Chelsea just mentioned, with contract issues themselves in Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook uh, or in contract years themselves. So I want to just talk a little bit about Dalvin or about Derrick Henry here, Johnny, because look, last year he led the league in carries with 303, he led the league in yards with 1,540. He was one of the best running uh, efficient runners, 5.1 yards per carry. We know this offensive line is good. We know they want to lean on Derrick Henry. He's not really out in the media talking about his contract situation. He's being very quiet about that. He want he wants to get the deal done, but he also signed his tag. So he's very faithful in the organization, probably because he this was his first year. He actually went through on all of on, on all of his uh, efficient or on his all of his hype. So I think that's a big part of it. But still. Number four in fantasy points per game on a on a per game basis. Uh, he's been creeping into my top tier, especially with the Dalvin Cook thing. And I think there's a case to be made that he could go, you know, as the number three, as the number four back in fantasy drafts, just based on pure volume alone. And especially if you're in a standard league. So, Johnny, what's your take on Derrick Henry? Do you think, you know, as much as somebody can be in the top seven positions, do you think he's being slept on a little bit? Um, I, yeah, I mean, there's, there's for sure a case to be made. You made a good point. Um, obviously, you know, these ADPs are in half point PPR and we all know that, that Derrick Henry doesn't get a lot of receiving volume. And so that's more so why his ADP is, is lower. But yeah, if you're in a standard league, there is no reason why you shouldn't consider, uh, Derrick Henry at that number three spot. Um, I mean, you can make a very realistic argument that he's going to get more touches than Ezekiel Elliott, that he's there's a good chance he's going to get more touches than Alvin Kamara. If you're not worried, you know, you're worried about the efficiency of Alvin Kamara or whatever. I mean, Derrick Henry is a big 
bulky running back. You know what Tennessee wants to do. They're not going to change their game plan. It was working. They were winning. So why would they mm. switch it up now? Um, yeah, you like you said, Derrick Henry, contract year. It's a one-year proof. Like, he wants to get his money. Uh, so for I, I have no problem uh, with people who want to take Derrick Henry sooner than this this RB6. Um, you know. Yeah. So, Chelsea, who do we got next? Next up is Joe Mixon uh, and then Nick Chubb right after that. And the running back for Green Bay, Aaron Jones, comes into the next slot. Right, I, gotta, uh, I know you I guys gotta, wanted to say yeah, a few words. I got to stop Jones. you there. Oh. <laughs> uh, Aaron Jones, guys. Fired up. Aaron Jones at RB9 off the board. Coming off in the second round, 204. Really? Really? What are, right. what are, what are your okay. thoughts? Is he okay. too high? Is he too low? What oh, do you want? What you, do you, want you just want me this? to come out and tell you right off the yeah. bat? Yeah, that's that's why they're listening to the episode. Unbelievable. Last year, <laughs> last year. Okay, so Nick Chubb, or sorry, Aaron Jones is coming off right after Nick Chubb and right after uh, Joe Mixon, right before Cannon Drake and Josh Josh Jacobs. We'll get into those guys in a second. Only five games last year where Aaron Jones didn't get didn't reach pay dirt. Five games he didn't reach pay dirt. He had 19 total touchdowns in 2019. We were huge fans of Aaron Jones last year. You go back, watch the tape. Uh, we loved him. We thought he was a, a steal going in the second round. And so I want to look at what we know. Uh, we know that Aaron Jones got all the goal line carries. And what are the most uh, vulnerable thing that, I mean, he scored the most touchdowns of anybody. And we all know that touchdowns are the most um, fluky thing from year to year or hardest thing to reproduce. So then they go out and they draft, uh, you know, A.J. Dillon, who is a big bulky guy, which you would think would use around the goal line. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to say, I told you there were five games last year where Aaron Jones didn't reach pay dirt. So I want to look at those five games and say, okay, well, what what is my range of outcomes if he doesn't get to the if he doesn't score a touchdown? Because I think AJ a. Dillon will be the goal line back. What do you know? This is not not pretty at all. Week one, three point nine fantasy points. Week six, four fantasy points. Week nine, two point nine fantasy points. Week twelve. 3.8 fantasy points and week 13 3.1 fantasy points those are all of the games he did not score a touchdown in and in all of those games you were beyond disappointed i think mm. that people are going to be beyond disappointed if they grab aaron jones in the second round because he is not going to be the goal line back they are going to use aaron uh aj dillon there uh he will get the receiving the receiving down back uh you know for sure and he'll get some early down work but he had 236 carries last year that will go down they will use a bit a more 50 50 split now and he had 69 targets which is pretty nice good job uh aaron jones 69 <laughs> targets um but uh i do think that that will go up a little bit uh because he will be the pass catching one there uh but still i i think that rb9 is absolutely absurd for aaron jones Please do not buy into that. I am majorly concerned. I'm hitting that panic button. Get get stay away from me, Aaron Jones. At pick two oh four, unbelievable. Come on now. Yeah, I mean it's just a little too high right now. What my hope is is that he'll you know a lot of this will come out. More AJ Dillon hype will come out, and you could see Aaron Jones fall a little bit because I you know 
maybe it's me being a homer and a Packer fan, but I do see a situation where the Packers could become one of the most efficient rushing offenses in the league with this duo. And I just think back to the way that Sean Payton revived the Saints into a Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara role of, of a one-two punch and how Kamara was still able to succeed on high efficiency. When we talk about breakaway runs, yards per carry, um, uh, home run hitting runs, and we talk about Alvin Kamara, but almost in the same breath, you could talk about Aaron Jones. His numbers are very comparable to Alvin Kamara's in those categories. And so if you actually take the load off of him as the rusher, as the the pounder, yes, maybe the touchdowns do go down. Maybe he's not going to be that top 10 guy, which is hard for you to take in the second round. I agree. But if he can slip a little bit in ADP, you could be seeing a situation where they pound the rock with AJ Dillon, and then Kamara, or and then Kamara, and then uh, Aaron Jones becomes like a Kamara out of the backfield and is catching a lot of passes in space, and they're doing it that way. I just want to talk a little bit about Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. There were 13 Jamal Williams games where he was fully healthy last year. He got 50 56% of the snaps in those games. 66%. Uh, that's Aaron Jones got 56% of the snaps in those games. So even with Jamal Williams being fully healthy, 66% of those uh, of the snaps in the three games without. So he did get an uptick, but 50% of the of the rushing market share is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, yes, I do think A.J. Dillon is a lot better than Jamal Williams. His draft stock is second round, so he's obviously going to be used more than Jamal Williams. But I think there is a case that they could kind of function together. Uh, you look at the games in the passing you know, there was 10% of these games in those 13 games, 10% went to Jamal Williams in the uh, market share for targets, meaning that I don't think A.J. Dillon is as good a pass catcher as Jamal Williams was. And I actually think that Aaron Jones could actually see an uptick in receiving work than he saw because he saw 11% with Williams on the field. So you could see him go closer to 15, 16, 17% of the market share in targets, which could counteract. We've talked about how targets are more valuable than rushing attempts. So you could actually see a situation where Aaron Jones kind of gets more into the Kamara role this year. But yes, I would agree with you, Johnny. That second round ADP is very scary. You'd be banking on the touchdowns, which we know are very volatile. All right, Chelsea, who's next? The 10th running back off the board is Kenyon Drake. And the 11th is Josh Jacobs, who I know I am, you've got words for. I am so glad we skipped over Kenyon Drake. If we have another episode where Johnny talks about Kenyon Drake, dude, we will lose subscribers. Well, if, if, you, if you, hey, you better, we got to move on to this Josh Jacobs <laughs> or else we could have a, we could end up having a Drake conversation. Quicksand. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So Johnny, talk to me about Josh Jacobs, because I honestly think unlike Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs could be going a little too late here. It is unbelievable. Josh Jacobs has been on an absolute decline for the last two months, and I have no idea why. It does not make any sense. You talk, Dalvin Cook has only slipped two spots, and he, you know, is saying he's threatening for a holdout. Um, Joe Mixon, you know, people are listening to us apparently because Joe Mixon has jumped majorly. Um, but somehow, I don't know why. Josh Jacobs is the guy who falls out of any, out of everybody. I okay, I get it. He only played in 13 games last season. Uh, you look at uh, his total fantasy production: 181.6 total fantasy points. It doesn't scream off the page for a guy that you know you. It's saying there, you know, two oh. Oh my gosh, that's unbelievable. Pick two oh seven in the second is wow. Um, okay. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was an RB15 last year, 
okay, on a um, points per game basis with 14.7. He was uh, he is going off the board currently as an RB11 pick 207, which, uh, you know, you could be saying, well, Johnny, you just told me he was RB15. He's currently going as the RB11. So what is your big issue? Why are you freaking out right now? What and is your major malfunction? What is my major malfunction? Well, you look at last year, 242 carries. That was number 13 in the league, and he missed In only three 13 games. games. Yeah, yeah. He, he missed 13. That was an average of 18.6 uh, of touches per game, rushes per game. That's great. And then you look at his receiving game. He only had 28 targets, Travis. Now, the big thing where where people are like, well, 28 targets, that's not very much. And why are you freaking out? Well, his major thing when he was coming out of college was how well he could catch the ball. And yet they didn't do that. Well, we found out afterwards it was because the coaching staff, they were kind of doing the David Johnson kind of role where they were like, hey, he's a rookie. We want to kind of keep the governor on him a little bit. We don't want to unleash him fully. And they've already come out and said, we expect to unleash him fully this year. And so I think that we could see a jump like David Johnson saw when he was fully given uh, the the tr- taking the training wheels off. Um, so I love. Yeah, like Johnny, you mentioned the low receiving. He still averaged over 20 touches. So with yeah. the 18 rushing attempts per game, plus a couple carry, like he averaged over 20 touches in a game. That's a bell cow back for you. He averaged over 100 yards per game. Bell, pa- bell cow back for you. I mean, these are huge numbers for a guy that's going in the second round. If you went running back heavy, you'd be looking at a stud in the first round and then Josh Jacobs in the second. Like, sign me up for guys that could maybe finish both of your running backs in the top five. Oh, my five. gosh. If you got, if you were able to get Drake. Derrick Henry? Or, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, in theory, yeah. You could get Derrick Henry, Henry and, and then Josh, Josh Jacobs. Jacobs. But, like, even if you went with Drake and Josh Jacobs, like, okay. Like, I think that that's sexy as hell. Like, okay. Um, I, Did I, you take Drake in the first round? I knew we were going to talk about Drake. Didn't no, you? Uh, no, I'm a, I don't, I don't want to get into that. I, I just would think. I do think that Aaron Jones will slip. I think that Josh Jacobs will flip flop with Aaron Jones, and I think that he could even jump ahead of Nick Chubb. To be honest with you, uh, with you know we. So I, I see you're you're saying Josh Jacobs belongs in the first round is probably going to end up being in the first round. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense to me. I I, I believe in that for yeah. sure. All right, who's next, Chelsea? Yeah, the running back twelve is Austin Eckler, followed by Miles Sanders, Gross. my boy, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, after that, we've got Todd Gurley as the running back fifteen off the board. Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon next to him, Chris Carson, Le'Veon Bell, James Connor at the running back twenty spot, David Johnson at RB twenty one, followed by Jonathan Taylor of the Indianapolis Colts. All right, I got to stop you there, Chelsea. I, I, you know, I, you've been listing off these names and you know, I've been okay with, you know, the majority of them. There's a couple that I'm like, eh, you know, I, I cringe a little bit when I hear where they're going. Uh, <coughs> Austin Eckler. Um, but <laughs> I, you know, we'll, we'll let you get, get, get through it. But I have, I'm sorry. I have to stop you at Jonathan Taylor. RB 22 off the board. Fifth round. Um, if you're listening to this podcast now, you probably know who Jonathan Taylor is because you're, you know, more into fantasy fo- football than the average person. But like, let's say you're listening to this in, in, you know, late July, this episode, right? And you're not sure who Jonathan Taylor is. So you're saying, why is he going so 
so high. Uh, RB22, never heard of this guy. Well, his player comp is Ezekiel Elliott on Player Profiler. Um, he is supposed to be a very good work workhorse running back. He is uh, one of the most um, successful running backs in the college uh, in his college career, he you know had over two thousand yards rushing like every single year. Uh, he's he's a beast running back. I, I love it. Then he gets drafted high draft capital uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. So you're like, okay, I, I check, I understand like high draft capital. We saw what high draft capital does to running backs last year. David Johnson and or uh, sorry, uh, David Montgomery and Josh Jacobs. They crept up to the third and fourth round come rookie drafts. So you're like, okay, I can kind of buy this. Why Why are you stopping at Jonathan Taylor? Here are my concerns. You still have Marlon Mack there. Mm-hmm. You still have Naheem Hines. Now, people mm-hmm. want to fade Marlon Mack hard, and Naheem Hines is the hotness, uh, the deep stash that a lot of people are, are talking about because of Philip Rivers coming in. And I, I second that. I like the Naheem Hines. But there is a community in the fantasy football community uh, that is they, – they believe Marlon Mack will be used significantly. And some of those are very, very reputable opinions in the fantasy football community. And so it, it makes me wonder just a little bit. I understand that Jonathan Taylor is a wonderful, wonderful running back. I understand that the Colts offensive line is one of the best in the league. I do understand that the Colts love to run the ball, especially around the goal line. But I just am not sure an RB22 means that you are you are wanting him to be your RB2 in most cases. And that is a three three workhorse back this year. Uh, I, I just see that running back as a three three headed monster. And also fifth round, Travis. Yeah, look this is the, I, I agree 100 percent. Yeah, I agree 100 percent with you here. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I just had I had to jump in on this train, too, because. I just think he's going too high right now based on everything you said. Look, I understand why you would want Jonathan Taylor. This is the first Colts running back drafted before the fourth round since Chris Ballard took over as as GM, right? They also traded up for him. Look, they have an elite offensive line. I lo- Quentin Nelson is a beast, dude. But the bottom line is, where did Frank Reich come from? He came from Philadelphia. And who was his head coach before he was the head coach in Indianapolis? Doug. Doug, Doug Peterson. Doug. And, Doug. <laughs> and what do we Doug. say about Doug Peterson? He doesn't use bell cow backs. He just doesn't. Oh, no. No. Travis? Travis. Oh, shit. Was mm, what? Okay, go. Start again. <laughs> Sorry. Can I go now or no? Yes, yes, go. All right. I'm going to go. <laughs> Where did Frank Wright come from, Johnny? He came from that Philadelphia coaching tree. His head coach was Doug Peterson, the guy that we always complain about not giving carries to his running backs or at least one running back, right? Johnny talked about a couple of shows ago, Miles Sanders and the concern of having Doug Peterson as your head coach, when they talk about these two running backs, Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack, the coaching staff for the Colts keeps saying the, the phrase one, one punch. That doesn't sound like one guy has got the job over the other guy, <laughs> meaning 
<laughs> it sounds like both guys have the same job and they're going to get equal opportunity to do the same work. And we already know that they love Naheem Hines. As Johnny said, he will be the pass catching back. No matter what you think of Jonathan Taylor's ability to catch the football in the future or Marlon Mack could have the best year of his life catching the football, it doesn't matter because Naheem Hines has the role. He has the role, and that's what's going to happen. I think that is way too high for Jonathan Taylor. I understand the excitement. I understand that offensive line, but this is not a team like I almost think like invest in Marlon Mack later. He's being written off completely, and maybe you get the guy that gets the touchdowns this year for that awesome offensive line, and you don't have to spend all this capital, like Johnny said, taking away from wide receivers earlier on. Well, so that's not not only that, but then you look at. Marlon Mack doesn't have a lot of time left on his contract, and I we just got done saying how much mileage Jonathan Taylor had on his on his legs. So wouldn't it behoove you know Indianapolis to use Marlon Mack this year a little bit more, rest Jonathan Taylor a little bit, you know, get him carries, get him it, you know, get him experience, have him sure. learn the playbook. But, yeah, and we talked a bit, we talked a little bit on mock draft Monday about how maybe COVID is the the area where we see a little bit slower progression for these rookie running backs, these rookie wide receivers, because they don't have the full installment of these game plans. They don't have time with their quarterback. I mean, we we take this for granted, but a handoff, just accepting a handoff from a quarterback, getting those reps in practice is big for a rookie running back who who is not used to playing with pro running or pro quarterbacks. And what have we always said about the Chargers with Philip Rivers? I mean, the reason Danny Woodhead stayed on the field so much is because Philip Rivers loved him. He could count on him. He trusted him. And Philip Rivers in the very end of his career here, you think he's just going to be like, yeah, Jonathan Taylor's my guy now. No, he will go to the coaching staff and say, Whichever of these running backs is the guy you trust, that guy will see the field more. I just don't think it's as guaranteed as this running back 22 ADP would suggest. Yep. Uh, Moving on, Chels, who's next? Yeah, we've got two guys left to round out the top 24 running back slots here as we start July. Uh, And the 23rd overall running back off the board is Raheem Mostert. So Raheem Mostert. Colonel Mustard, as he's been called before. Raheem Mostert is maybe, I don't know, in my opinion, I've taken him in multiple mock drafts uh, because of this ADP, but I think he might be going a little too late for me. Uh, What San Fran's able to do, what he's been able to do, I really like him. But, Johnny, what's your take on this ADP currently? So, um I'm intri- You think he's being he's going right now off the bar- off the board as RB twenty three, um, and five oh three pick, and you and you think that he is he is coming off too late or too early? Yeah, I, I well no, I think like yeah, he's coming off too late. I think he's for sure an RB two, and he's coming in the back end of RB two range. Like he is for sure an RB two in my mind. Uh-huh. And I can get into that, but if you so think he's he got, should... so he has, he, I mean, we'll we'll get into it right now. I mean, he's got a great O line, right? So I'm not going to deny that San Francisco has a great offensive line. You got the Kyle Shanahan uh, offense, which hell, me and you could get behind there. We can sign an undraft or un undrafted free agent contract and probably run for a thousand yards behind that that line and in, in that scheme. It feels like anybody could be a, a thousand yard rusher behind that line. Um, you look at what Mostert did down the stretch: twelve touchdowns in the final nine games. Very, very impressive. From week led the NFL in those nine games. He led the NFL. You are correct. You are correct. Um, 
Raheem Mostert is going to get a lot of traction. There's going to be a lot of people. Big Travi loves him. Weeks 5 through 17, however, he only had one game where he had over 15 carries. You also have Tevin Coleman there. Yeah, Tevin you, Coleman was hurt okay. during that time. Okay, yeah, Tevin Coleman was hurt. Uh, and there was another player that was there during that time that he was not getting touches. Okay. Who uh, is no longer there? That's Matt Breda. Okay, and there is also there is Miami. also a running back uh, there that uh, was not getting touches because he was injured. But they also have a ton of uh, money invested in his entire career and have never panned out and paid for. Uh, that would be McKinnon. Remember this guy, McKinnon, uh, signed from uh, Minnesota. You're not, you are not reaching for I'm, Jarek McKinnon. Right I'm not. Now. I'm. I'm just stating a Come fact on, that man. he is on the on the roster. They paid him thirty three million dollars and have yet to even get a single snap out of him on uh, an actual Sunday. So Good. I'm just saying. See you later. But okay, I'm just. I will end it with this, or I will pass it over to you to give you to give your argument because you're really, really big on him. Can you name me the last time where you took a San Francisco running back that was supposedly the starter and he actually paid off the value at which you drafted him? I will wait. What are we talking? You're talking about San Francisco historically producing no, running just, backs just, as if no, there's no. some sort of tangible uh, argument. No. Why don't we talk about <laughs> Kyle Shanahan? Why don't we talk okay. about Kyle Shanahan having yeah. success? Alfred Morris. Yeah. Uh, you can look back to Washington and, and, and his days there. You can look back at Atlanta with Tevin Coleman, with mm -hmm. Devonta Freeman, with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Why don't we look at the coach? So whoever's the starter, right. whoever they who did they rely on in the playoffs Hold and on. in the Super okay. Bowl okay. when it mattered okay. the most? Wait. Who was their running back? In the, in, the, in the super in the Super Bowl, it was it it was Raheem Mostert, right? I, I yeah, I get and it. in okay. the playoffs, it was Raheem Mostert going. In. And as you said, no, hold on, Johnny. It's go, it's my no, time. Go ahead. It's go my ahead. time now. In the last nine games of the season, you, you said it. Twelve rushing touchdowns. So don't okay. ask me a question and then cut me off if you're going to. He that, said because I will, He said uh, he ahead. led all running backs in percentage of rushes that went for five plus yards and ten plus yards last season. All running backs. He. He was 10th amongst running backs in yards per rush after first contact. Okay, so even with that great offensive line, he's a good runner himself because after first contact, he's in the top 10. The guy is a stud. You've got Tevin Coleman on an aging contract. You've got Jarek McKinnon. Sure, I'll give you that. Jarek McKinnon, they have money invested in him. But we've seen what teams do with injured guys that have money invested. Todd Gurley was supposedly the best running back in the league, and the Rams said, bye-bye, see you later. Okay. They know what they have in Mostert. They liked it enough to let Matt Breda go out the door. Mostert is their guy on a very run-heavy offense, a top three run-heavy offense in the league. Shanahan has no – they just saw Debo Samuel go down. You think they lost Emmanuel Sanders. Yes, they drafted Brandon Ayuk, but they're still going to be a team that runs so much. And even if Tevin Coleman siphons off a few carries per week, Raheem Mostert will be the guy – and he is going to be their starter, and he is going to be on the, one of the best offenses in the league. I'll take him, man. At, uh, at the, you at sound RB2, you sound him. you sound very very confident he's going to be the starter. Uh, one could say that 
I was pretty confident that Tevin Coleman was a starter last year. Were you pretty excited when you got him in the sixth or seventh round last year? I thought I was. I was pretty excited when I got him in the sixth and seventh round. Was I excited at the end of the season? Yeah, no. I would say what the if, difference is – I'd say the difference, though, with the San Fran this year and last year is we didn't know that San Fran was going to be that good. We had They had the pieces in place. We thought they could, but they hadn't Two made the jump Two years ago, yet. they were really good at running the ball. Two years ago, uh, because yeah, we Matt didn't Burrito think they'd be as good there. as they were last year. Okay, well, so here's here's my point. Two years, two years ago, I I love the Kyle Shanahan. He he produces great running backs. My 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 point is not the Kyle. Yeah, whatever running back Kyle Shanahan puts behind there is going to be a productive running back. My my remark is that I have to pay a fifth round value for Raheem Mostert, and right now I don't know he is the starting running back one hundred percent. Tevin Coleman is still there. Tevin Coleman still get got more than just a few touches because we can pull it up because I don't even think he was the lead run running back. Was he uh, during those those games when Raheem Mostert down the stretch? Uh, how many carries did he get? Let's. I'm gonna bring it up right now. Looking down the stretch of last year, he got four, uh, 19 touches in week 13, 10, 14, 11, and 10. So he's we, we act like he's the starting running back and that and that Shanahan has all this confidence in him, but we don't know that. And Tevin Coleman is much cheaper. I would rather go with Tevin Coleman and and take him at Tevin Coleman's ADP in the tenth or ninth round because I don't know that Raheem Moser is going to be the guy. I don't know this because Kyle Shanahan picked up two unrestricted free agents, undrafted free agents, that he could throw those guys in and they could go for a thousand yards. So I, I get the system. I love the system. I It will produce a really good running back, but am I confident enough to take him, Raheem Moser, in the fifth round? Absolutely not. No, that's absurd. It's not absurd. I don't think it's absurd, but I understand your concern. I understand wanting to get value. Sure, I, I'm, I think it's worth the risk as an RB2 that could end up being a top five running back easily if he's the guy any given week. So, I, I mean, I don't want to sit here and, and say that the I don't want you to discredit the upside completely out of Raheem Mostert when we just talked about all the reasons why San Fran you should invest in. But I do agree that the strategy would be if you're not going to take Mostert, make sure you take Tevin Coleman, like make sure you take a piece of this offense. That's the bottom line here. Mm -hmm. You should get a piece of this offense. But scaring people completely off the guy who is projected to be the one a right now in a hot hand committee of San Francisco is when kind his of, draft you know, value is 503 or wherever it's at right now. Absolutely. Fifth round, you would have gotten two running backs and two wide receivers if you drafted smartly. And then your 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 flex could be Raheem Mostert. Yeah, man. Sign yeah, me I up, would rather dude. have AJ Brown or DJ Moore or any of the wide receivers going in that fifth round. I would much rather have them than Raheem Moster in that fifth round, which I have no idea. Two years. You, I wanted you keep to say this. saying that, but yes, they have wanted, nine games, almost 10 games like where he showed he was the guy for them. And he did but, it, and, and he led I'm the league in that, touchdowns, and he led the league in, in and, points. And two, uh, okay, and so big, two, big years ago, two years ago, Matt Burita showed an entire entire season in which he was a really good running back. They didn't care. They went out and got Tevin Coleman. Then last year, we I was excited. Tevin Coleman, they went out and got him. He's going to be the starting running back. We took him high. Did, was he? No. They ended up giving the ball to Raheem Mostert. They pulled off Jeff uh 
Jeff Wilson off of the practice squad to be the goal linebacker at times. There's no, there's like, no, there's no, no argument that there's going to be a lot of running backs, but there is a 1A. There is but, a 1B. So you're you're literally just admitting. You're saying, yes, I understand there's going to be a lot of running backs, and I, and I yeah, fully it's like understand, England, but I'm going to disregard like, it's that. It's like New England. You're not just going to sit and not draft a New England running back because not there's a later. lot of them. Not till later. Last year, but you, you drafted Sony. you up Sony Michelle because of all the carries Because you, you could got. get him in the because eighth round. The you could get him in the eighth round. That's the difference. I'm not paying fifth round. Just like last year, I wouldn't pay fifth round for Sony. And guess what? If you did, because, oh, the volume was there, and you think that he's on a good offense— you were vastly disappointed. It's all about draft capital. If you told me Raheem Mostert is going in the ninth or 10th round where Tevin Coleman is going, I would say absolutely. Sign me up. Yes, because he does have the upside to be a top five, top 10 running back, 100%. But when you're talking about draft capital of fifth rounder, absolutely not. Sign me off of that. No. Too much. Too much risk. I've never been happy with drafting the very first running back for San Francisco. Hey, man, you got and, you got to have some risk in building a championship squad. I'll just tell yeah, you that. That, right that now. is true. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. So, uh, fifth round's a, a good, a good, good a shot as any to take on your guys. Let us know, Whisper Nation, if you would take Raheem Moser in the fifth round in the comments below. We're all right. Well, I think we had one more guy, but we're not going to talk about him, right, Chelsea? Yeah, and I mean, look, guys, it's July 1st, and I'm loving the passion that you're bringing to the conversation and debate around Raheem Mostert, um, the last running back on the board of this top 24 uh, rundown is Devin Singletary. I just hope there are no more words that Johnny has to say about anybody. <laughs> I mean, I could go off on Devin Singletary. Yeah, we know you have. have but we talked you about have. him on the last show. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I mean, just like San Fran, Buffalo has multiple running backs there. So I'll just leave it with that. Anyways, uh, <laughs> Whisper Nation, let us know what you think about these top 24 our ADP guys, uh, which guys you are higher or lower than the consensus on. We'd love to hear it. Um, as always, make sure or for now, actually, brand new is the fantasy football hotline that we have for you. That's one eight three three four ff talk You could also hit us up there. One eight three three four FF Talk um, for Johnny Game Time Hicks, Chelsea Lee Byers. I'm Big Travi. We are the Fantasy Whispers, and we're out. Peace, peace. Go buy the draft kit on presale. FantasyWhispers.com. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers. <laughs> <laughs>